by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Welcome in. It is Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And as always, we brought in Brian and Janet from Wyoming Game and Fish Department. And summertime is upon us. And there are a lot of people out recreating, Janet. It is such a great time to be out. The weather is finally warming up a little and the storms have kind of decreased, which is is making it a fun time to get out and camp, whether you're in your tent, your RV, your cabin, or just riding your bike through the woods some days. It's a great time of year. You know, we all like to be out and enjoying what we have here in uh, the Casper area, Casper Mountain and Muddy Mountain, but... The black bears also enjoy getting out and enjoying what uh, is surrounding them here. Absolutely. You know, it is a great place for black bears to live. Um, It's great habitat, um, but it's uh, also, as you know, a great place that people like to be. And so we want to just take some time to remind people from landowners to hikers, uh, some some safety tips that will help keep conflict um, reduced with black bears. Which I think that people have done a a fairly good job so far this year. You guys haven't had any reports for conflict with black bears or any issues, but they're still lurking around uh, as people have seen. So far, so good. You are exactly right, Drew. Um, We have not had any conflicts reported to the Game and Fish at this point, but that doesn't mean people aren't seeing them. And so, you know, with today's technology, it always makes it seem like there is probably a lot more wildlife out there than previously, but that may not be the case. It's all just staying the same, but ring doorbells are a fantastic way to see wildlife that come through your yard at night. Um, You know, a lot of these animals are active um, in the early morning hours or the late evening hours. And so um, we may not see them if we're kind of out during the day, but it is a great time to take several precautions to help avoid conflict. Um, You know, great time to do some education and action during the day so that we don't see them at night. So Brian, let's say you're, you're out camping on Casper Mountain with your family and you're sitting around the the fire ring and getting ready to make a s'more. Uh, The sun is starting to go down. I mean, is that probably one of the best chances of a bear approaching a, a, a campsite? No, I don't know. I, I mean, they don't like to be around people, but I think, you know, people have to realize that bears are around and uh, they're not pets. They're wild animals, so very unpredictable. Um, I think they're in probably the best time is when you probably crawl into your tent and you hit them, you uh, hear them going through your fire ring because you didn't finish your s'more or you left your garbage out and they go through the the garbage and pull that out. I think that's what we commonly find on Castro Mountain is not only the campgrounds, but also the the kids camps, the church camps up there that don't, you know, um, lock up their trash at night where they go through their dumpsters and, and cause a real mess. And of course that makes it unsafe for the campers up there because like I say, they're a wild animal, very unpredictable and not the kind of critter you want around when you're, when you're trying to have a quiet uh, camping weekend. What would be the repercussions if a bear did come into a campsite like that and, you know, cause some, some trouble? Um, the, the bear would be in a little bit of trouble at that point too, right? 
Yeah, most certainly it's it's one of those hard decisions to make. You know, you can't just go up there and just grab that bear and and uh, take it somewhere else. A lot of times, we'll actually come up there and clear out the campground and and uh, or at least the camp and set a uh, bear trap up there. We're actually we're trying to entice the bear into a trap so we can uh, move that bear to a location away from you know that kind of activity. You know, further south on the on the you know Laramie Mountains and things like that, but in a place where there isn't all those enticing things to get in trouble. Um, but also when a bear usually gets a reward from humans, um, like at a camp or things like that, and they end up coming back to that again, then that bear usually is euthanized just because it becomes very unsafe to humans when they're not afraid of humans anymore. And those same kind of uh, things happen down here in Casper too, not just up on Casper Mountain, but Last year, there was a, a black bear through town that had to be uh, captured and taken away. So there are a lot of steps that that people should go through to make sure that that doesn't happen with a bear or that a bear doesn't, you know, get in a conflict with a human. You're exactly right, Drew. And, um, you know, the one thing that we always ask is that if you do find yourself in a conflict situation with a black bear, that you contact us immediately. That really helps give us more management options. So if, you know, we know about it right away, we can go check out the situation. It doesn't own for the bear. Just like you mentioned last summer, um, we were able to relocate a bear. And so and and that happens way more than than the euthanization side of things. And so we're really work hard with people to try and make sure that we keep areas clean and um, help us avoid attractants to bears. And then we have more bear management options. So that's just a good reminder to keep you know, give us a call immediately. It doesn't mean that we're going to harm the bear. It does mean that that gives us management options to keep people and bears safe. What, and, and a black bear and a grizzly bear, there, there's a big difference. And obviously we've talked about this previously with a Dan Thompson and, and we've talked about bears a lot, but is a black bear a threat to someone if they're out on an early morning walk and they come in contact with a black bear. I mean, could they be in danger? Yes, most certainly. Um, they're a wild animal. They're very unpredictable. Certainly not aggressive as the nature that you would think a grizzly bear would be, but please don't think that they're just a pet or a zoo animal or anything like that, because that is not what they are. They are a wild animal, very unpredictable. Like I say, that bear should be afraid of you. Um, and like I say, it should run off when it comes in you know, close to a person or close to a house and it sees people there. Um, it should not be comfortable enough to, you know, just be roaming around the middle of the day, all that kind of stuff. It should not be doing that. So one of those things where just remember that you're not dealing with a pet or, or something like that. You really need to be aware of, of what to do when you come in close contact or close proximity of a black bear. You know, one of the things that I ask when I moved here is, you know, what's up on Casper Mountain? And people are like, oh, you know, you see like rabbits and you see deer and you see things like that. And there were people that are unaware that we actually have bear and there are elk that are, will frequent that, that area. So obviously, you know, knowing the surroundings of where you're at and what could be there is a great way to, to know what's there. But especially when it comes to bear, if you don't think there are bear here, the, uh, 
Wyoming Game and Fish Department has a great bear website that can, you know, teach you what to expect when you encounter a bear like that. Absolutely. It'll have a lot of um, avoidance techniques, you know, what to do if you do run into a black bear on a trail or, um, you know, whether it's frequenting your yard. But I just also want to say, Drew, you know, I've lived here my whole life, recreate on um, Casper Mountain and the Laramie Range often. And I think never seen a bear on Casper Mountain myself and seen a couple south of Casper Mountain Um, maybe once or twice in my entire life with many weekends spent outdoors. And so it's not something that we want people to be afraid of. We just want people to be aware of and, you know, um, following a lot of the rules and regulations um, or maybe rather suggestions on the Bearwise page, I think can really help people. Um, Landowners in particular, cabin owners really need to be aware of their surroundings in the sense of, you know, making sure that your property is bare resistant. Um, things that we don't even think about you, you come home from the grocery store and you have, you know, groceries in the back of your car, you leave your windows unlocked and maybe just don't feel like unloading that box of, you know, lucky charms until morning. That really is something that attracts bears, right? They're, they're smart animals. They're strong animals. It is not difficult for them. They have um, been shown to pry car doors open, break windows to get in. I mean, who wouldn't for a box of Lucky Charms? But it is one of those things that we really want to, to remind people, you know, vehicles, even sodas, those sorts of things that you might leave in your car are attractants. Um, you know, if you are actually looking at like a barn or a shed or a house, leaving your windows open, your screen door open, those sorts of things. Man, if I'm cooking bacon, I'll tell you what, that that odor is out and about and going through my screen door. And again, an attractant. Who wouldn't want to have a big slab of bacon, um, you know, for breakfast with you? So, you know, and even things along the lines of lawns. Um, You know, we've talked about this a lot with mountain lions. Landscaping can be um, an important part of keeping mountain lions away from your property, right? If you have the grass mowed and weeded and and a lot of kind of those natural bear foods like dandelions, sweet clovers, and I'm sure any other fantastic, you know, berries, raspberries, blackberries, those sorts of things that you might be growing in your yard. Those things are all great food for bears. So just kind of, you know, going along those lines of thinking through everything from compost piles to barbecues to the shrubs that you're choosing. How many of us choose shrubs for songbirds, right? Like, oh, let's provide fantastic berries for the birds. Well, there's also other things that those berries and those bird feeders will attract. And this time of the year is is also gardening time. I, I know a lot of people have a garden out and there are ways that you can protect your garden from bears too that, you know, putting up a small fence is probably not going to, you know, deter a bear. But if you put up electric fencing, which is a, a common deterrent now. It is. And, you know, there's instructions, I think, to on how to do all of that. Or you can certainly give us a call for any of those recommendations um, on how to to put up some of those electric fences to keep the bears out of your your garden and property. Some of those those uh, zucchinis can be pretty coveted if you're trying to grow those on Casper Mountain. So, yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize what their sense of smell really is. I mean, they can smell that food inside your car. You know, like I say, there's, there's their sense of smell is just incredible. 
Um, so that, I mean, whatever you have out there is enticing to them. Um, if there's a bear in the area, they are going to find it. And if you think of all the natural food that all this great moisture that we had this year is created, like you were saying, the, the raspberry bushes up on Castro Mountain and all that kind of stuff up there, morel mushrooms and things like that. So there is a lot of natural food up there and we're hoping that will keep them busy and, and full and all that kind of stuff for a few more months as things start drying out though they start looking for more food because those bears are eating all the time. They're preparing themselves for the winter. So that's basically their whole life is eating. And um, like I say, they're probably doing most of their sleeping during the day because it's hot out. And that's why they're they're more active at night and people don't usually see them, but they usually see the after effects if they get into your garbage or try to get into your, your shed because you have some bird feed in there, some horse feed in there. So it's one of those things, even if you have that activity at your house or, or your cabin, you should probably let us know. So we're aware of that bear making his rounds on Casper Mountain. So maybe we'll have the opportunity to trap him before he gets into trouble and uh, we can get him to a place where it's going to uh, be a better place for him to survive. Well, uh, going to uh, Bearwise, Wyoming at the WGFD.wild.gov is a great way to, to educate yourself, educate your family. And make sure that your kids and uh, whole family know what to do if you encounter a black bear. And that really is something, you know, we're talking about families out recreating. But if the family is out and the kids are running around, they need to know what to do also if if a black bear comes around. And, and it's really important. Absolutely. And, you know, as always, don't ever forget your bear spray. Um, it is something that you should always have strapped on on the outside of your body, not in a backpack while you're bike riding. You know, figure out a way to strap it to your chest, strap it to your belt, have it easily accessible and know how to use it. Again, we always offer this that we have um, some cans of inert bear spray that you're more than welcome to come try at the Game and Fish office just to see what an actual can of bear spray um, is like, how the plume comes out. Um, I think it's always different than what you expect. We do try to do some of that training in our hunter education courses. But if you're just curious, you know, again, it's inert. So it's not going to be peppering you. Um, so don't try it with a real can of pepper spray at home. We've had um, a few incidents of that that maybe haven't been the most successful for, for folks. But, you know, it is, um, it is important to kind of feel comfortable and know. And, and again, like this isn't a scary situation. It's not something... Um, that people need to be afraid of, but people just need to be aware of their surroundings. You know, I was talking to someone this week that said that they were up in Yellowstone and they were going on a hike and one person of the group of four tried the inert bear spray. Just one of the four. Everybody in your party should know how to use this bear spray. So it's really important not to just say, oh, you're going to be the one to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the jokes can come out now about always make sure you're the fastest runner in your party and all you have to do is is be faster than than your buddies. And, and while that's a joke, um, you know, you don't just give one bottle of bear spray to one person. Everybody in your party needs to have it. What happens if you get split up? What happens if, you know, the the um, person that you choose to protect you freezes up and maybe you can't get the, the bottle open? It, it's just smart to always have multiple bottles, everybody aware of your surroundings and, and just be prepared. Again, not a scary situation, 
but just know your surroundings. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Hey, it's Drew and Brian of Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And Brian, fishing, hunting will be here, hiking is going, camping is happening. It's a perfect time to come in and do some shopping here at the store. Unfortunately, the summer is winding down faster than we would like to see it. Yeah, we were just talking. Before you know it, it'll be August, and then it'll be hunting season, and then it'll be duck season, and then it'll be goose season, and then it's snowing. Pheasants, doves. I mean, we have to start changing out our garage all over again. I'm telling you what, I got to get a bigger garage because I keep <laughs> getting all these toys and everything. Right. You know. Yep. Uh, I, of course, uh, going to do some hunting here this year. Got a new uh, scope put on here at the store, and you know, you guys took care of the, the gun. It was an older gun, but you know, like always, you guys put a little <laughs> TLC into it. That gun needed a little TLC. Somebody <laughs> had wrapped that barrel, and it was sticky with uh, tape residue and uh looks like a new gun now though it, it really does uh, jesse did a good job and i like to keep him busy once in a while you know right it's yeah it's always good to have the gun <laughs> counter guys busy that's right yeah no they enjoy doing that stuff and you know it's this is the time of year where people start finding that they have problems right they had a guy this morning that uh was looking to up put a new scope on he wasn't from the area and the you know just things weren't working out for him and like just bring the gun in let's just take care of you so if you're looking for new optics, you guys have a long line of optics in here that you can get all set up with. And I've seen a lot of guys walking in the door with their bow case and heading back to the archery range. You know, the archery archery department has been very busy, not, not just with the new bows, but, you know, guys are upgrading their rest or maybe they're just getting more arrows or new arrows, looking at what broadheads they want to shoot for this year and just getting the bow tuned up. So we've got a 20-yard archery range in the back and uh, – uh, it's been uh, been being used quite a bit. Last week, my dad was in here, and we came in twice in one day just because of, uh, you know, fishing fun, you know. Uh, but he likes to get lost in the store because back home, they don't see stores like this where it's focused on exactly what can be used in this area, right. hunting, fishing, hiking, everything. Yeah, and that is definitely the advantage where we can, um, you know, cater to the local community. And, you know, if somebody comes in and says, hey, there's a great kokanee bait that's working up at Alcova, you know, we can look into it and see, you know, how much we want to bring in or whether or not it's going to be feasible uh, to what kind of space to allocate. So uh, we definitely try to cater to what's going to work in this area. So you've been doing a lot of fishing. You were out at Glendo this week. And how's the, the bite there with maybe some of the baits that you have here in store yeah um we uh, spent last weekend at seminone i think we'll talk about that in a little bit but uh, i was down at um pa- uh, glendo this week and um the bite's still really good the water's dropped you know pretty substantial i i think it's probably down six or eight feet from when uh, you and i last were on the water uh, but the fish are still there and the fish are healthy um, we did catch a few more smaller fish than uh, we had been seeing but uh, we definitely, you know, um, had a pretty good day with, you know, 16 to 19 inch fish. Were you using live bait still at that point? Um, you know, you, you know me, I always like running slip bobbers, yeah. um, although I'm one short now since the cart pulled my fishing pole <laughs> off the off the back of the boat. But um, yeah, the um, I, I still like running slip bobbers. Leeches are a little bit tougher to get um, and, and 
the that's been a bit of a challenge but worms are still working good and then uh, we were running a jig and a worm that that's that presentation as well uh, the early bite I uh, talked to quite a few guys that have just been uh, pitching crankbaits up shallow for the first hour or so and and they're catching some fish doing that and then the troll bite you know which is kind of typical for this time of year as the water starts rescinding and the uh, the weeds are coming up in those backs of those bays. Uh, the if you can find an area where you can troll those uh, crankbaits, you know, just over the tops of those weeds, that's been good. So flicker shads, rapalas, uh, number fives, number sevens, all have been producing pretty well. Which of course you can get all of those baits here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Of course, you guys always carry the live bait. When you can get them, you've got the leeches, you've got a, a cooler full of worms at the door. So come on in. Don't let uh, any weather or, you know, not have any luck deter you from getting out on the water or getting out and having a good time. And we're right in the middle of camping season, too. And I know you guys are always getting in shipments of, of camping goods. And, and tents are one of the things that I've been really looking at. I bought a couple of cots before, mm-hmm. so I need a bigger tent. And you guys have exactly what I need. Yeah, you know, we try to carry a good, better, and best level of, uh, you know, pretty much everything that we carry. So we're gonna, we'll have a lesser expensive, um, but everything that we do carry, we, we feel it's got pretty good quality and pretty good backing or warranties to it. So you're not just going to be carrying some uh, less expensive, no-name brand of, of product that's not going to back their own product. But we get, you know, the Coleman, the Alps, um, that type of, of quality product that's out there. Um, we've got, and it's in good good shape still, uh, we are starting to see kind of uh, like things like our fire pits. You know, we don't carry a lot of them, but uh, those have been moving really quickly here the last few weeks. So there's a few of those left. And then uh, the portable stoves like the tailgaters and the road trips, uh, those have been super popular this year. And uh, inventory is starting to wear down on those. So if you're looking for something like that, you need to get in soon. Come on in and see them. Rocky Mountain Discount Sport. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Drew and Brian back at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Brian, we just mentioned a little bit ago that it may be a little bit slower, different fishing, but it's still good fishing all over the area. Yeah, it sounds like uh, everybody that's coming in here is uh, being successful and enjoying uh, what we finally got a summer. Now, heat is here, so what kind of a different uh, setup do you have to have when you're going out and trying to catch a walleye with the heat like this? Well, um, just really kind of depends on what the water patterns are doing. Uh, water temperature this week down at Glendo, I saw as high as 75 degrees. It was warmer water temperature than it was outside temperature. Wow. Um, but that uh, really doesn't change a whole lot of things. It just kind of transitions fish a little bit differently. So whether those fish are buried deep into the, the weeds or whether they're deeper off the rock points or off of the uh, main lake points. Um, but there's definitely fish to be had. Just, it's kind of just cyclic and find out, you know, what those fish patterns are doing. And uh, we're going to, you know, eventually get into fall here where we're going to be, you know, doing more deeper lake presentations with jigging wraps and um, uh, spoons. But right now we're still worm harnesses and jigs and worms and jigs and plastics and uh, pitching cranks or trolling cranks. I mean, really just about anything you want to do is catching fish down at Glendo. So if you're uh, maybe going to Pathfinder or Alcova or somewhere like that where you know, maybe is it a little bit different in, in those reservoirs? Um, maybe a little bit different, but like Pathfinder, it, it tends to be a, a forage uh, issue. And so, you know, if you're going to be trying to 
catch walleyes that are feeding on crawfish, you know, they, they tend to spend more time in the rocks. Although, um, you know, this, the silver shiners and stuff like that will spawn off the sand. So if you're going to fish uh, sandy points, you know, sometimes just pulling crankbaits across the, the sand, uh, trying different depths of and just covering some water. Really um, a little bit more of a challenge if you're shore fishing. But, you know, if you're not catching them in one spot, move down the shore another 100 yards and try again and look for some structure and some main lake points. One thing that we've kind of had some issues with through the first part of the summer on the river is really dirty water and and really kind of tough fishing for a lot of the anglers. Have we seen that lighten up a little bit with a a little bit lesser rain falling? Yeah, you know, I think it's for the most part cleaning up. You know, water flows have been dropped down a little bit. So uh, we're going to start seeing a lot of the weeds start to grow. And so they're going to start battling some moss. Uh, they're going to start, you know, having some issues with just silt buildup uh, from all that mud and stuff that's been coming down the, the river system. But, you know, I think overall it's uh, fishing good. And uh, they're having to change up their presentations a little bit, too, and, and maybe run a few more leech and worm patterns um, than they would uh, some of the other bugs that are normally out there in the clearer water. So we talked about the last weekend was the uh, walleye stampede up at Seminole. And it was a it was a tough big fish bite yeah definitely big fish bite was tough we did you know i talked to a handful of guys that caught personal best fish that week i talked to one guy that caught a 32 and a half inch fish thought it was around 12 pounds said it wasn't the longest fish he'd caught but it was the heaviest i talked to a couple other guys that uh even during the tournament you know one team told me that he goes i bet you we caught 300 fish today wow um so there's definitely fish to be had. We bumped the minimum requirements to 16 inches, even though the lake doesn't have any requirement. Uh, we bumped it to 16 because we just figured that, for one, we don't want to handle fish as much as we need. You know, we don't want to handle 300 fish or yeah. 5,000 fish or whatever that number would have been. Um, and uh, we knew that uh, you know, our anglers would be able to find some 16-inch fish and, and uh, have a successful tournament. So we're getting to the point now where we're under a month away from the championship round, which will be over at Boysen, mm-hmm. and the lineup is set, right? I mean, if they fish the, the three and, and qualify, they're in. Yeah, so our requirements were they had to fish all three tournaments, um, and they had to finish in the top 60 for point standing. So every tournament they uh, were awarded points based on how they finished in the tournament. So first place received 200, and then it just kind of stair-stepped its way all the way down to whatever, you know, 50 points. Um, Yeah, so those teams have pretty much been set. There's a few teams that, you know, school's in session starting during that tournament. So we've got a couple school teachers that don't think they can get the time off to to pre-fish or or make the tournament. Um, And we've got a few other, you know, conflicts, whether it's a family reunion or whatever. So there will be a few teams uh, in the top 60 that won't go, but then we'll just go down our list uh, to the other, you know, until we fill up that top 60 positions. So it is one of the premier – fishing tournaments series tournaments throughout the west and even uh, midwest and we're going to say the nation i mean it's one of the top people come from all over is seven or eight states every tournament which is kind of yeah it's you know and it's it's kind of like hunting season you know if you as long as you plan on doing it and you make it a point that that's what you're going to do it's just like elk season you know you you're like we're gonna we're gonna get tags we're gonna make it a big event we're gonna camp we're gonna go you know harvest an elk hopefully and and have a good trip and a lot of guys do the same thing with these fishing trips and these tournaments and uh yeah i think in 
terms of a circuit and actual numbers of teams participating, uh, it's probably the largest in the in the country from a non-pro standpoint. Uh, there are a couple other team formats and uh, that run, you know, 60, 70 boat tournaments. But you know, we've we've had 140 boats at the first two, and we had 80 at the next one in our championship. We limit to 60, so we'll have a full field there as well. So it's a, it's a good time for fishing in uh, in Wyoming. And if you didn't get into the Stampede this year, keep an eye out for next year. You can follow them on Facebook and even at your, your website to kind of keep up on, on what's going on there. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And welcome back to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, where we always like to have special guests. And this week... We have a special guest, Mike Seshi, who is uh, owner-operator of Cutting Edge Tactics and Training. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Hey, Drew, how are you doing? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks for uh, making time today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. Mike, before we go any further, let's let's kind of dive into your background. And, and okay. you know, you're you're a military man. You, you did uh, some tours of duty and, and spent yep. some time in the Marines, I believe, right? Right. So I joined the Marine Corps in 2015, right out of high school. Um, went to boot camp down in San Diego at the Marine Recruit Depot there. After that, I uh, went to infantry school. So the infantry training battalion down in Camp Pendleton, where I became a 0351, which is just the MOS number designator for infantry assaultmen. So my training um, and kind of what I specialized in the Marine Corps was breaching and employment of rockets so blowing up a lot of stuff right (laughs) (laughs) along with um along with just your typical infantry tactics uh i was in a weapons platoon so i cross-trained with a lot of other weapon systems and then uh like you said i did two deployments to the middle east uh during my time in the marine corps i was with third battalion seventh marines uh and then after four years in the marine corps I got out and got my honorable discharge and then went into the private security sector for a couple of years. And I did that, um, worked out in California and I worked with some security companies. And part of what we did was the city of Beverly Hills called the security company I was working with at the time to come reinforce their police department during 2020 because they did not have enough of their own law enforcement officers to handle all the riots that were going on and all the other uh, protests and whatnot. And the city was kind of just getting destroyed. And so Beverly Hills being, you know, a a big tourist destination with a lot of money, they're like, well, we need more people. So they basically hired out security companies to come reinforce their officers. The firsthand experience that you have gives you a, a lot of street cred when it comes to knowing the tactics and knowing the training steps that, that people mm-hmm. need to feel confident. And confidence is one of the most important features that a person needs to have when it comes to a, a firearm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and like you said, you know, I worked in, I was in California in 2020 when you know, COVID hit, right? So you had all the lockdowns. And then on top of that, you had all the riots going on that year. And what I saw, particularly in California, you saw a massive increase in gun ownership, right? You had a bunch of people going and buying guns. 
because I think this realization hit that they were not safe. And especially in a state like California, if you are going to basically give over the job of protecting your family to the police, but then the police are not able to do that job. They're not even allowed to execute their job. Well, who are you going to rely on? The cops are not going to show up there fast enough. Even if they do, what are they even allowed to do? They're, they're handcuffed to their own policies. And so at the end of the day, um, I think people started to realize they, they're the ones that are going to have to step up and protect their family. And that is basically the reason I started this company was realizing like, if I want to keep other people safe, the best way to do that is to train them to keep themselves and their family safe. And so that's the whole goal of, of my company. And um, as I tell people when they come to me for training, my goal is not um, just basic marksmanship. I mean, that's obviously a part of it. You need to know that, but we're not going to stop there. I'm going to train you to, God forbid, the need ever arise, win a gunfight and go home and protect your family and the members of your community should that need ever arise. You know, one thing that that I've experienced and, and seen over the years is the fact that people feel they can wear a, a sidearm, wear a firearm on their hip and just automatically be able to know exactly how to use that. And right. if, if they come in to you, there's a lot that goes into it. And being military and, and police uh, force type of experience, you know that it's muscle memory for you to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to use that if the possibility or the probability ever comes up. And just a common Joe isn't built for for that until you train. Right. And, and there's an interesting thing that happens when you get into a situation where your your fight or flight instinct, that primal instinct you have gets activated. And what happens is your body and your mind, you revert back to the skill you last mastered, not the one you last learned. So if you come take a training course with me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the training and kind of give you the tools that you'll need going forward. Now, the caveat is, is these are skills you've just learned, right? I'm going to teach you how to properly draw from the holster and engage a target at close distance. If you learn that once and you take the course and you practice it once, but you never practice those skills again, if something were to happen, you're not going to do it the way I showed you. You are going to revert back to the last thing you mastered, which might just be just grabbing your gun however you can to yank it out of the holster and then blindly doing one-handed shots, right? And so if you want to become proficient and you want to, like you were talking about, develop that muscle memory, that takes a lot of training. And the benefit of going through professional training is it gives you courses and it gives you drills that you can implement that uh, you may not know otherwise. So that's one of the massive benefits of professional training. And and for all my clients, for my students, um, I basically have a deal where if you take one course from then on, it's only, you know, $50 for an hour of my time and I'll come and we'll go to the range and we can drill over specific things that you've already learned that you want to do. And so I'm very much about 
it, it, it's important to me that the people who come through my training not only learn the skills, but really start to master them. And so I make myself available to do that because I genuinely care about these people staying safe and becoming the protector of their family and community and not just a one-time course like, oh, okay, like you took one course, you're good now. I, and I wish that was the case, but that's not. And so, you know, I make myself available so people can do constant follow-up training so they can really master these skills. And again, should the need arise, come out on top. And we, we talked about the fact that you do family courses, you do mm-hmm. security training, you do group or team training. So if yep. an office or a company wants to come out and, and be in your, your class to kind of know, because that's a, a big concern for a lot of people is if mm-hmm. someone comes into to our office, who's going to protect us? Right. And so one thing I do with, with the you know, security training for instance, I can help develop uh, plans for active shooter response, right? Like developing plans for, okay, how are we going to get out of our building, action plans and whatnot. Um, I teach home defense stuff. So if families are like, hey, like we need a plan for the layout of our home. Great. Let's think of something. And as far as the team training, I think that is extremely vital, Um, especially out here in Wyoming, right? You, You hear I've talked to a lot of individuals who say when the zombie apocalypse happens or whatever, <laughs> they're going to ban up with their friends and they're going to go hit the mountains and, and they'll survive that way and they'll fight as a team. And that's great, but there is a lot that goes into fighting and moving as a small unit that you would think is intuitive, but it's not. And so I take my Marine Corps experience and the experience I have in the training I have in fighting as a small unit and bring that to the people of Wyoming so they can learn, should they choose to, um, to fight as a team and be more effective. Because when, when you know how to fight together, you're just a force multiplier, right? Um, a group of four individuals who are trained and actually know how to move and shoot and communicate together can easily take on twice their number of people who are just running around with no idea. Mike, it's, it's awesome that you have this. It's um, cutting edge tactics and training. You have a website. It's cettwy.com. And Correct. that's where folks can learn uh, how to get in contact with you, how yep. to figure out what class or course it is that uh, that they're looking for their family or their friends or, you know, really. And that's something, too, is if you have a group of people why not take the course together? So my training's a little different than some of the other companies out here where I work around my client's schedule, right? And so I do essentially private lessons where it's, hey, you call me and we will hash out a time and see what works for you. And you can bring a group of friends, right? But I typically, um, as of now, I'm not holding courses where it's like, hey, Friday night, this is the time, this is the course, like clear your schedule to get here. It's more, hey, you tell me what works for you, and we will we'll do that, right? That's what uh, the training is. And then as far as um, the website, like you said, all the information's up there. Uh, people can email me. They can uh, sign up through the website to get more information. My number's on there. They can call me, and we can talk about what training they need. Um, 
And then also I have a you know Facebook page and Instagram and those things are up there too. People can check out. Get over and check it out. And if it's something you're interested in, or maybe you're just curious about it, Mike can answer any questions you have. Cutting edge tactics and training again, C-E-T-T-W-Y.com. And Mike, I, I appreciate it, man. And, and it's good to talk to you and definitely want to uh, try to get signed up for a course. All right. Well, you do that, Drew, and I'll be happy to get you to the range. We'll get you, uh, we'll get you squared away and we'll get you proficient. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Drew. You take care, all right? My Seshi, cutting edge tactics and training. Again, C-E-T-T-W-Y dot com. That's another Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Welcome back to the show. And one more quick segment here. Uh, Sean Blazak with the Mule Deer Foundation is with me and Sean, you guys are going to be at Cheyenne Frontier Days for the entire 10 days. Yeah, you've been there a couple of days, but you got a pretty cool event going on. Yeah, we have a booth going this year with a bunch of other nonprofits called Wildlife Barrier Breakers. And we're actually partnering with Bowhunters of Wyoming, the Nature Conservancy, Sporting Lead Free, the Wildlife Fund, and Wyoming Wildlife Federation to raise money specifically this year for the Kemmerer Road Crossing Project that's coming up that's right there near Kemmerer, Wyoming, to help reduce vehicle wildlife collisions in that area. So we're going to be raising funds for that by selling raffle tickets for a pretty awesome grand prize that includes a saddle, a couple of rifles, custom knives, some coolers, and a bunch of other cool items, including, you know, a custom set of belt buckles for you know anyone who wants them so it'll be pretty fun and you know supporting a good cause and so come visit us if you're at frontier days and if you can't make it to frontier days those tickets are also available online although if you're not at frontier days you won't get in for the daily prizes but you will be in for the grand prize yeah you guys have a a lot of great prizes you already mentioned some of the the grand prizes but the daily prizes just as simple to get in on if you buy the tickets there on the ground, like you said. And and uh, you're talking, you know, like Wild Gear Cups and knives and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, there's a bunch of awesome daily prizes. And they're, the daily entries actually just comes for free when you buy the other tickets. So you would get in for those daily prizes, including every day we'll be giving away a uh, – suppressor for a 22 or credit for any suppressor you would like from one of our partner agencies or companies and that silencer central and those other items that you listed so it, it really is kind of a cool deal and all you have to do is stop and see them when you're at cfd this year of course you're going to be there the whole 10 days that means you can have uh, 10 daily prizes and buy as many of those tickets as you want Yep, yes, sir, and we'll be giving away the grand prize the very last day of Frontier Days, and anyone can win it. Obviously, you know, the only restrictions are, is, you know, with like the FFL stuff, you have to be able to possess firearms to win those items, but everything else, yeah, anyone can win it. Awesome. It's cool. It's with the Mule Deer Foundation. You can go follow them uh, all over Facebook and uh, go to uh, muledeer.org to find out there, and on Facebook, it's MDF Wyoming is where you go follow and you can get all the information. Sean, I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you guys at CFD. 
Yeah, look forward to seeing everyone. And so you guys know, we are going to be in the old frontier town portion of CFD. So if you're looking for us, that's where we'll be. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Thank you very much, Drew. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors.